Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're mostly talking about Azor and Nissa Nissa today. I mean, that's kind of always true. Um, but, you know, I talk all the time about Azor High invaded the Weirwood Net. Azor High invaded the Weirwood Net. Now, if you just wander into my channel... You might wonder what the hell I'm talking about. You're like, that is not in the books. Like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> so it, it's basically, it's a couple of thoughts put together. But this chapter is going to be the one that makes it the most clear. This is Azor High invading the Weirwood Net. This is the best depiction of it. It's right up there. Hey guys, David Lightbringer here, with horns, with antlers, if you will, our equivalent of with bells on, and yeah, the chapter with Renly's death at the hands of the Shadow Baby Assassin is indeed the chapter which seems to show us the answer to two ancient mysteries of ice and fire. Number one, why did Azor High kill Nissa Nissa? And number two, what in the hell happened to the Weirwoods to make them look like screaming burning and bleeding tree people. These two mysteries seem unrelated. They're actually the same mystery. So I've long speculated that the current fairly macabre form of the Weirwoods and the Weirwood Net that we see in the books was not how it was originally, but that the Weirwood Net was in fact altered at some point, corrupted and invaded, I would say. Um, the invader seems to have been Azor High himself. And the clues about Nissa Nissa all indicate that Nissa Nissa was a child of the forest or part child of the forest or a female green man, something like that. And the idea is that Azor High would have used the blood magic sacrifice of Nissa Nissa and green men, by the way, to force his way into the Weirwood Net and obtain its magic power for himself. So he's kind of like a Euron figure. He'll do anything to get power and magic and magic power. That seems to be the original Azor High fella. So Azor High, through this blood magic ritual, he forces his way into the Weirwood Net. He sends his spirit, in other words, into the Weirwood Net. And the result of this seems to be that the original Greenseer spirits, who were living inside the Weirwood Net, cozy, snug in their tree homes, were driven out and then became the others. It seems that Azor High's spirit, trapped in the Weirwood Net, eventually reemerges as the original Night's King, whom I believe was the leader of the others during the Long Night. So, the Game of Thrones show may have actually gotten the idea to have their Night's King ride a dragon from George R.R. R. Martin, who may have, may have designed his original leader of the others figure to be some sort of transformed dragon lord, as, of course, Azor High originally a dragon lord. So Azor's dragon and fire magic transformed. He comes out Night's King. Essentially, he's kind of like an ice dragon. Anyway, some of that sounds like timeline heresy, as we say. Well, yeah, it is. Um, these are my overarching theories about the origins of the story. And we know that, of course, the legends that were told about the origins 
are going to be somewhat scrambled. So these are my theories about how this all actually sorts out. And if you want to see the detailed groundwork for these theories, check out um, a, a few videos. I'll list them in the description, but a new Knight's King, Knight's King, Azor High, Origin of the Others, Knight's Queen, Weirwalkers, Ice Spiders, the Weirwood Goddesses, and the Secret Origins of the Green Man series. And I'm not just naming videos off the top of my head. Those are the ones where I'm laying out these theories in detail. So you don't actually have to watch all those to watch this stream, though. Um, the cool thing about this chapter and the highlights that I'm going to give you right now is that it tells the whole story in surprising detail. So don't worry about any of this. Just watch. It'll explain itself as we go. And the last thing that I want to tell you before we start is about the roles that our players will be playing. So Renly will be the sacrificed green man with his Knights of Summer then transforming into the others as he dies. Stannis is the Azor High turned Knight's King figure. And in fact, Stannis is probably the best example of an Azor High character who also seems to do the Knight's King thing. For example, after his Lightbringer forging ceremony where he's declared Azor High reborn, Stannis takes up resident at the Night Fort where Knight's King reigned. He takes control of the Night's Watch, just as Knight's King did, and then leads an invasion of Westeros from the north just like the others did during the Long Night. Stannis gives his seed and soul to a sorceress woman to make shadow entities, just as Night's King gave his seed and soul to Night's Queen and made the White Shadows known as the Others. And again, Night's King Azor High is the video to watch for this story. So Stannis isn't in this chapter, of course, but his shadow baby is, and the shadow baby seems to be actually a shadow clone of Stannis himself who later dreams of this murder as if part of himself witnessed it. So the shadow really is part of Stannis. So through a magic ritual with Melisandre, who plays the role of Nissa Nissa, Stannis is sending his shadow clone to Renly's camp to kill him and to set his magical green tent on fire. Melisandre is Stannis's magical conduit to get to Renly, just as Nissa Nissa was the conduit by which Azor High sent his spirit into the Weirwood Net. He needed her because she already had a connection to the Weirwoods, where he did not. And of course, one of the ways that we know Melisandre is playing the role of Nissa Nissa is that we find that trademark Nissa Nissa agony and ecstasy language. Of course, Nissa Nissa cries out with agony and ecstasy. That's what cracks the moon. And we see that exact same language in two different scenes where Melisandre uses her fire magic in A Dance with Dragons, when she has that flame vision of Jon Snow as Azor High, and more importantly, when she bursts the shadow baby beneath Storm's End. Now, if you watch the full read-along stream from which I'm pulling sections of today, we actually read the shadow baby birthing scene first, and you can see that Melisandre is shining with light, and, of course, crying out with agony and ecstasy as she brings the shadow forth into the world. And this would be comparable to Danny's Nissa Nissa scene, where Danny brings the dragons into the world. All right, so we're going to start this scene. It's a Catelyn chapter, so we're in Catelyn's POV, and we're going to start it in progress with Catelyn having just prayed in the Sept, and now she's walking through Renly's camp to try to have a word with Renly on the eve of battle. So here comes the symbolism, folks. They rode in silence through a sparse woodland where trees leaned drunkenly away from the sea. The nervous whinny of horses and the clank of steel guided them back to Renly's camp. Long ranks of men and horse 
were armored in darkness, as black as if the smith had hammered night itself into steel. There were banners to her right, banners to her left, and rank on rank of banners before her, but in the pre-dawn gloom, neither colors nor sigils could be discerned. A gray army, Catelyn thought, gray men on gray horses beneath gray banners. As they sat their horses waiting, Renly's shadow knights pointed their lances upward, so she rode through a forest of tall, naked trees, bereft of leaves and life. Where Storm's End stood was only a deeper darkness, a wall of black, through which no stars could shine, but she could see torches moving across the fields where Lord Stannis had made his camp. So, that is nuts language right there. The thing I want to point out to you is that in the, in the previous Catelyn chapter, when Catelyn was watching Renly's knights have their tourney and play at war and feast and act like fools... Renly says, these are the knights of summer. No, no, it's Catelyn who says, they are the knights of summer and winter is coming. So here we see this transition happening where Renly, this summer figure, with his green and gold, summer green man, Garth figure, he, his knights are the knights of summer. But here, on the night of his death, there's a transformation that's happening. And so these summer knights, these green knights, have turned into an army, uh, a forest of tall, naked trees, an army of shadow knights. So this is about the creation of the others. That's what that is. Remember, my new Nightfort theory, and thank you, Karina Strickle, says that the original Watch, of whom Night's King was the 13th man to lead the Watch, that originally was a Weirwood Watch at the Nightfort. Before the Wall, probably... The Weirwood organism of the Nightfort being the oldest thing, I've said that forever, that the Weirwood would be the first thing there. They would have built the castle around the Weirwood, and they would have built the wall at that spot because of that Weirwood and potentially other Weirwood organisms like the Nightfort organism that might be at other places along the wall. That, I think, makes the most sense. So you have a green man watch at the Nightfort, just like there's a sacred order of green men on the Isle of Faces, to watch over those weirwoods. Important weirwoods get a, a green man watch. That's what it seems like. So Renly is like Garth the Green. His summer nights are like the green man watch. But they're being turned into shadow nights. And this is, again, about the creation of the others. We're going to see that in just a second. So we see the a dead forest, dead green men. They're like warriors, and they're like trees, but they're like dead trees. So that's a dead green man. That's an other. And we'll see it in a minute, but just trust me. These are others now. These are green men that have been turned into others. So I just want to point out the visual symbol that's happening here. The Shadow Knights are actually holding up the tree symbol, the lances. So they're physically under the trees, just as the green seers live under the trees. Since we're about to watch these Shadow Knights turn into others, we can infer that the others are effectively the shadows of dead green seers, the ones who live under the trees. And that would be either the green men, potentially massacred by Azor High along with Nissa Nissa, or the green seer spirits who were already in the Weirwood Net. And by the way, we see more Baratheon troops turned into others in Danny's vision of melting others at the River Trident. If you remember, they weren't actually called White Walkers or others there, but rather the Usurper's rebel host across the river, armored all in ice. So those are Robert Baratheon's troops, but 
made into others. And it's the same idea here with Renly's summer knights, who are now a forest of shadow knights holding up dead trees, which, again, will soon become icy weapon. Just watch the stream. It's really freaking cool. And then, of course, we have the Storm's End, a symbol of the plume of smoke and darkness rising from the meteor cloud, where the, where the, remember, where the storm gods of old made their landing. So the storm god's thunderbolt landing, that's a meteor symbol. And so from that location, the meteor landing, we have the plume of darkness blotting out the stars. So this is a picture of the long night. Catelyn's walking across the field here, and she's like, oh, all the green men are dead. And there's this darkness rising from the storm landing that's blotting out the stars. Man. And I remember when Anissa, my mother, died. <laughs> so you see how George weaves the narrative together, right? Just mentioned real quick, Anissa, Kat's mom, that's Anissa Tully, she died while she was pregnant when Kat was young. So Anissa was mentioned earlier in the chapter while Catelyn was praying in the Sept, and it seems like George slipping in symbolic talk of Nissa Nissa's death, Anissa, Nissa, right before the next sequence where we see the haunted forest of dead trees and the shadow men and all the symbolism depicting the fall of the long night. Now, just a heads up for the next section, I'll be chopping out most of the dialogue between Renly and his commanders in order to focus on the relevant symbolic lines and then Renly's actual death. So just bear that in mind. Now, we got the dead trees. Renly's summer nights have already turned into dead trees. So let's see. We walk through the forest and what do we find? The candles within Renly's pavilion made the shimmering silken walls seem to glow, transforming the great tent into a magical castle, alive with emerald light. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> Sorry. So an emerald castle alive with light. That's the weirwood net. Hey, Grey Waste Tim. Why are you showing your peach in the chat? Oh, Renly's peach, right. So, magical castle alive with light. This is the original weirwood net. Remember, we've said the weirwood net seems altered. Azor High burned it. He poisoned it. He corrupted it. Um, the face carving is probably a post-Azor High invasion thing. I've always speculated that. And essentially what's happening here is that we are seeing the last, the last moment of the living weirwood net before it's set on fire. Because again, the Grey King taunts the Storm God, the Grey King being Azor High figure. He taunts the gods. He challenges the gods, just like during God's grief, stole the daughter of the gods and challenged them and dared them to do something about it. Azor High, you know, steered the comet into the moon. Bloodstone Emperor stole the Black Meteor. So all these god-men figures are challenging heaven, challenging the gods. So Grey King challenges the Storm God. Storm God lashes down with a thunderbolt. That's the meteor. And then that sets the tree on fire. So it's always been implied that during the long night, when Azor High broke the moon and called down the fire of the gods, that that's when the weirwood net was set on fire. And it allowed mankind, not the elves, but man, to obtain the power of the weirwood net. That's what Azor High is after. So check this out. 
The candles within Renly's pavilion made the shimmering silken walls seem to glow, transforming the great tent into a magical castle alive with emerald light. So alive with light, of course, is a description used for dawn, the wall, and this is a green wall here, interesting, and the swords of the others are alive with moonlight. So real quick, I just want to break in to say that, yes, this is probably a reference to the wall upon further consideration, since both this green tent wall and the ice wall of Westeros are alive with light. And specifically, the idea of a green wall could be a reference to the Weirwoods being the first thing at the location where the wall was eventually built. So think of the Weirwood organism at the Night Fort, which was almost certainly there before the Night Fort and thus before the wall, but on the location where the wall was eventually built. And thus we can infer that the wall's location was dictated by the Weirwoods that were there first. So that would be the green wall that's about to be, you know, transformed, caught on fire, destroyed, invaded, etc. And of course, think about the Night Fort. The Night Fort is the place where the legends of Night's King and Queen take place. And it's almost certainly where the others, whose swords are also alive with light, were created, in my opinion. And it's the place where I believe the original Green Man Watch existed, from which the Night's King made the others. So it makes a ton of sense to compare Renly's magical green tent to the Weirwoods at the Night Fort and the Wall. And we'll actually see another reference to the Wall in just a minute when the tent burns. So here are the magical castles alive with emerald light. I don't know what it means exactly. It's some sort of holy light. The light of dawn, Lightbringer. It's, it's, it's some sort of divine, radiant light. So two of the Rainbow Guard stood sentry at the door to the Royal Pavilion. So Rainbow Guard, it's like a prism. So also alive with light here. It's very shining and glorious. A prism, it's very uncorrupted. A rainbow is a symbol of, well, a lot of things. But I was going to say purity and clarity, as Cleo shitting on camera. Um, peace, if you want to say the biblical one, it's, it's God promising not to destroy the world again. So it's like a promise of peace and happiness. So two of the rainbow guard, um, the green light shone strangely against the purple plums of Sir Parman's surcoat and gave a sickly hue to the sunflowers that covered every inch of Sir Emmons' enameled yellow plate. So there's an interesting bit. There's sunflowers, but they're made sick. So this is another long night symbol. Remember, we've seen that the, the trees are dead, are dying. The smoke plume is rising, blotting out the stars. And now we see the sun is sick. The sunflowers have a sickly green hue. So is a green sickness, and of course green sickness, I guess you could say Azor High is the sun god getting green sick. So here we have the, 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 uh, the sunflowers with a sickly green hue. That's pretty good. I like that. Yes, Anu. Anu is saying, are the weirwood fungi from outer space carried on a meteor, or even like fungi from Yugoth? like a Lovecraft reference, there is an aspect of the Weirwoods that is alien. But I think that's just the Azor High presence, you know, the meteor presence. Um, I think there may have been an intelligence that came with the Black Meteor, something like that you could think of. Yeah, so the Weirwoods, I don't know if they are originally alien, but I do think they've been, like, corrupted 
by the meat. Like, just as Azor Ahai's spirit corrupts the weirwood net, the weirwoods and the earth itself may be physically corrupted by meteors. Because think about it. A shy by the shadow is physically corrupted. And that's probably the place where one of the meteors landed. That's where the Bloodstone Emperor worshipped his black meteor. So you go figure. The, the weirwoods could be containing the meteor poison, I think. If there's like a physical connection. So long silken plumes flew from their helms and rainbow cloaks draped their shoulders. Within, Catelyn found Brienne armoring the king for battle, while the lords Tarly and Rowan spoke of dispositions and tactics. It was pleasantly warm inside, the heat shimmering off the coals in a dozen small iron braziers. I must speak with you, your grace, she said, granting him a king's style for once, anything to make him heed her. In a moment, Lady Catelyn, Renly replied. Brienne fit backplate to breastplate over his quilted tunic. The king's armor was a deep green, the green of leaves in a summer wood, so dark it drank the candlelight. So we've got the implication of a summer wood, but it's also drinking in the light. So that's kind of like a black hole thing going on. But yes, he's literally a green man. Gold highlights gleamed from inlay and fastenings like distant fires in that wood, winking every time he moved. So that's cool. Um, this, I believe, is a shout out to the Old Ones of Lang. The Old Ones of Lang, the reason why I know that they are green men is because in Lovecraftian land, there is an island called Lang. They have strange horn, goat horned, they have cloven, hooved legs. They're like goat men. And they worship and they the old flying ones. flying on the back of a shantop. Wyvern dragon-like thing. fires in the wood. Goat horned, cloven hoofed. Dancing thing. around. Horned green man. Doing a cult. Drinking in the light. The green wood of his armor. Like, so whether that's a specific reference to that Lang stuff that I was talking about, or just a general idea mm -hmm. of an occult ceremony around a fire in the woods, which is we're about to have an occult ritualistic sacrificing of the green man in this green wooded castle. So that's what we're doing, right? This is all very Wiccan, very pagan here. Pray continue, Lord Mathis. And Lord Mathis Rowan, of course, the Rowan is a mountain ash. So an ash, we've got an ash tree person here talking to Renly, the green man. Oh, and then uh, Tarly is here. And Lord Tarly, of course, their sigil is the huntsman. Uh, and that comes from Herndon of the Horn and Harlan the Hunter. And that's, of course, a Hearn the Hunter reference, who's a green man and a Kernunos figure. And actually an undead horned green man figure. So these are all green men here. Renly, Lord Rowan, Lord Tarly. They're all tree men or green men by way of their symbolism and their names. And of course they are. Got some green men standing around in a magical green castle doing their thing, you know? Brienne tightened green leather straps and buckled golden buckles. Your grace, Catelyn had waited patiently, but time had grown short. You promised me a word. Renly nodded. See to your battles, my lords. The lords bowed deeply and departed. Say your say, Lady Stark, Renly said. Brienne swept his cloak over his broad shoulders. It was cloth of gold, heavy, with the crowned stag of Baratheon picked out in flakes of jet. Brienne brought the king's gauntlets and great helm, crowned with golden antlers that would add a foot and a half to his height. 
The green men are always tall guys. Robert Baratheon is a giant when he put, puts on his antlered helm. So Renly laughs, puts on the golden antlers that adds a foot and a half to his height. The time for talk is done. Now we see who is stronger. Renly pulled a lobstered green and gold gauntlet over his left hand, while Brienne knelt to buckle on his belt, heavy with the weight of longsword and dagger. I beg you in the name of the mother, Catelyn began, when a sudden gust of wind flung open the door of the tent. She thought she glimpsed movement, but when she turned her head, it was only the king's shadow shifting against the sulken walls. She heard Renly begin a jest, his shadow moving, lifting its sword, black on green, candles guttering, shivering. Something was queer, wrong. And then she saw Renly's sword still in its scabbard, sheathed still, but the shadow sword. Cold, said Renly, in a small puzzled voice, a heartbeat before the steel of his gorget parted like cheesecloth beneath the shadow of a blade that was not there. He had time to make a small, thick gasp before the blood came gushing out of his throat. So you, you see why I say this is Lightbringer. Not only is it a shadow sword, it's the shadow of a blade that was not there, just as the shadow baby itself is the shadow of a man who was not there. So it's Stannis's shadow and Stannis's sword. So this is, again, Azor High's spirit has entered the magical green castle. You see what I'm saying about the sequence here. Melisandre is a vehicle for Stannis to send his spirit into the Weirwood Cave. That's where the Shadow Baby was born, in the Weirwood Cave. So that's a symbol of Azor High's spirit entering the Weirwood Net through Nissa Nissa. Here, again, different Shadow Baby killing, but similarly... Melisandre taking Stannis's life fires and shadow and sending that shadow into a weirwood symbol. Instead of a cave below Storm's End, it's a magical green castle full of green men, <laughs> okay? And a dozen fires. So what happens when Azor's spirit gets in the weirwood net? He kills the green man. And he gives him weirwood stigmata, of course. So... Red smile, thick gasp, the blood came gushing out of his throat. Your great, no, cried Brienne the Blue when she saw that evil flow. So this is evil happening. Okay, this is the defilement of the weirwood net, this bloodletting. Sounding as scared as any little girl, the king stumbled into her arms, a sheet of blood creeping down the front of his armor, a dark red tide. So there's the, the dark and bloody tide that Melisandre always sees. It's a symbol of the long night. I always say it's like the waves of darkness. Well, let's, let's, Oathkeeper tells the story. Oathkeeper's black and red folds in its steel look like waves of night and blood. So if the meteors are like bleeding stars, then it's waves of blood in the sky. But it's also waves of night because the bleeding stars black out the sky. So the waves of night and blood symbol is the darkness and the bleeding stars that fill the sky. So here we see the green man is sacrificed and there's an evil dark red tide. So it is both like the moon being sacrificed and it is like 
a blood sacrifice of the Weirwoods or to the Weirwoods of the Green Men. And it's drowning his green and gold. So this, the you know, what did the Weirwoods look like before? I've said they may have been the oak trees. But we know that, you know, the Summer King colors are always green and gold. Garth the Green created the Oaken Seat, a throne of living oak that his green hand sons sat on. So it sounds like a weirwood throne, but instead of a cave, it's in High Garden, like in the, you know, up above in the sunshine, and it's made of oak. So I don't know if the weirwoods originally were a kind of oak or just different. We will probably never know. But the important thing is that they were different and that they were corrupted. That's what's important to understand. So the green is being drowned. And then it says, more candles guttered out. Renly tried to speak, but he was choking on his own blood. His legs collapsed, and only Brienne's strength held him up. She threw back her head and screamed, wordless, in her anguish. The candles guttering out, right? So we've got the darkness. Cold and darkness is spreading. The shadow. Something dark and evil had happened here, she knew. Something that she could not begin to understand. Renly never cast that shadow. Death came in that door and blew the life out of him, as swift as the wind snuffed out his candles. On the ground, Renly's head rolled sickeningly to one side. Check out this weird stigmata. A second mouth yawned wide, the blood coming out from him in slow pulses. So that second mouth is the big neck wound. So remember, the red smile, I said, is a double symbol. When someone gets their throat cut, that's like giving them a red smile which is the same as, it's a weirwood symbol because the weirwood has a carved, bloody smile. So here George is making it even more obvious by calling the neck wound a second mouth yawning wide. Point is, once you kill the green man, a door opens. That's the symbol here. The shadow baby, which is Azor Ahai's spirit, is opening a door to the weirwood net. And he's doing it by sacrificing green men and Nissa Nissa. So Renly might be Nissa Nissa here, or we could look at Melisandre having already symbolically died as Nissa Nissa. But the point is that green men are usually sacrificed along with Nissa Nissa. We always see that pattern because I believe that we're talking about the green men of the night for it who were sacrificed to make the first others. So a second mouth opens up in the green man's neck, a portal to the weirwood net, a bloody portal. A bloody mouth has been opened. The fire had reached the wall and was creeping up the side of the tent. I'm not sure if that's a reference to the wall of Westeros or not. Hey there. So again, I'll break in to say that this seems to be another reference to the wall, or at least to the weirwood uh, spine that seems to have predated the wall. And it also occurs to me that this business of the second mouth opening could also refer to the creation of the talking weirwood face known as the Black Gate, which is beneath the Night Fort. Is this talking weirwood face some dead green man who was sacrificed during the long night? Bran says it looks as though it were a thousand years old, but just somehow hadn't died, so is this the last hero himself? That would actually be kind of funny <laughs> if the last hero was down at the bottom of a well, just waiting to swallow Bran. But who knows? And the more simple conclusion here is that we can say that the second bloody mouth 
yawning open, yawning as in dreamers, in the body of the slain green man is yet another clue that the ritualistic carving of the weirwood faces, carving the bloody faces into the weirwood trees, is something that began with Azor High's invasion and corruption of the weirwood net, despite what we're told about the children of the forest and the first men having done this long ago. I, I think this is an Azor High thing. And I mean, look, who was it that carved Renly's bloody smile? It was Stannis. Stannis Ahai's shadow with his shadow lightbringer. That's, that's what did it. And we also see the same thing, a dragon lord with a lightbringer symbol carving a weirwood face at Harrenhal. When Daemon Zor Ahai Targaryen carves 13 slashes in the trunk of the weirwood heart tree at Harrenhal, which bleeds still every spring. And he did that while waiting to fight a duel with Aemond, Night's King, One Blue Star High Targaryen. It's a very long night battle, that one. So, yeah, Azor High started the face carving. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, that's going to be the case. And, of course, the face carving is what makes the weirwoods look tortured. And it's Azor High who, you know, fucked their shit up, so... Brienne, with me, Catelyn commanded. The girl was not slow to see the chance. A slash, and the green silk parted. They stepped out into the darkness and the chill of dawn. So there's another dawn symbol. Loud voices called from the other side of the pavilion. This way, Catelyn urged, and slowly. We must not run, or they will ask why. Walk easy, as if nothing were amiss. Behind them, the king's pavilion was well ablaze, flames rising high against the dark. No one made any move to stop them. Men rushed past them, shouting of fire and murder, murder, and murder and sorcery. Others stood in small groups and spoke in low voices. A few were praying, and one young squire was on his knees, sobbing openly. Renly's battles were already coming apart as the rumors spread from mouth to mouth. The night fires had burned low, and as the east began to lighten, the immense mass of Storm's End emerged like a dream of stone, while wisps of pale mist raced across the field, flying from the sun on wings of wind. Morning ghosts, she had heard old Nan call them once, spirits returning to their graves. And Renly was one of them now, gone, like his brother Robert, like her own dear Ned. Here's the, the finished point, the counterpoint. So earlier, the summer nights had turned into a dead forest of dead green men, right? Now we see morning ghosts, pale mist, wisps of pale mist. The word wisp means ghost. So pale ghosts that are like mist racing across the field. So that is the others. The spirits of the others are now amongst the field, amongst the dead forest. And the green man has become one of them. That's the important thing. Renly and just like his brother Robert, another green man, have become morning ghosts. They've become the others. And remember, the, the others wield pale swords and their bones are like milk glass. So the others are very much a parallel to dawn. And yeah, they're fleeing the sun because the others only come out at night. He was laughing one moment and suddenly the blood was everywhere. My lady, I do not understand. So there's the agony and ecstasy, laughing and crying. So yeah, Renly is doing the, the, the sort of dying Nissa role here. But I, I basically would just say that Renly is symbolic of the murder of green men and children of the forest in general. Because the whole point of Nissa Nissa's death is that Azor is invading the Weirwood Net by killing green men. 
and children of the forest and sacrificing them in blood magic. And that's what we just saw. And that's how the others are created. Remember, I say the others are spirits of the green men who are evicted from the weirwood net when Azor Ahai sets it on fire. So here we have the shadow form of Azor Ahai with his shadow sword. He kills the green man. He sets the weirwood net on fire. And then we see the others standing around and talking, fleeing across the field. The others have been driven out of the green castle. And they're now amongst the dead forest. So this is the exiling of the others from the weirwood net. It's the death of the green man. It's all right here. You see why I wanted to read this chapter. <laughs> the battle, Hal Mullen began. There will be no battle. Catelyn mounted and her escort formed up about her, with Sir Wendell to her left and Sir Perwin Frey on her right. Perwin Frey. Ride, Catelyn commanded her escort when they were all a horse. If any man tries to stop us, cut him down. So this is serious business here. As the long fingers of dawn fanned across the fields, and that's a direct reference to Eos, the goddess of dawn, who has rosy fingers. And those rosy fingers are those little rays of pink and gold that spread out across the horizon and fan out like a hand. So George referencing the dawn goddess Eos here, the long fingers of dawn fanned across the field. Color was returning to the world. Where gray men sat gray horses armed with shadow spears, the point of 10,000 lances now glinted silvery cold. I told you that these nights of summer were turning into the others, right? First they were a dead forest. Then we saw morning ghosts fly through the dead forest. And now the 10,000 lances glint silvery cold. So the others have been created now. And this is about to be Stannis' army. Why? Because Azor Ahai invades the Weirwood Net, creates the others, and then becomes Night's King, who is the leader of the others. Hi, girl. What happened? All the power of Storm's End and Highgarden. Storm's End and Highgarden are the ones ruled by the green men, right? The Durandon rule Storm's End. They dress up like green men. And Highgarden, that's where Garth the Green planted the Weirwoods. And it's the seed of House... We used to be the seed of House Gardener. So, before they passed on. Yeah, all the power of Storm's End and Highgarden. That's just another way of saying all the green men. All the power of the green men. Remember, the Knights of the Reach are the Order of the Green Hand. It had been Renly's an hour ago. They belong to Stannis now, she realized, even if they do not know it themselves yet. Where else are they to turn if not to the last Baratheon? Stannis has won all with an evil stroke. So again, Azor High, with an evil stroke, has turned the green men into his own others, his own other soldiers. And in order to do that, he sent his shadow into the weirwood net and set it on fire. So the whole sequence is here. All right, so here I will mention that line from the Night's King legend about him binding his brothers to his will with strange sorceries. 
Because Stannis, playing the role of Azor High turned Night's King, has not only killed Renly and his symbolic green men and transformed them into others, he's also bound those newly made others to his will with that evil stroke. So this is a big clue that the brothers of the Night's King, who he bound to his will with strange sorceries, the brothers of that original watch, that they were in fact green men. And finally, for you Arthurian fans out there, you may have been noticing that phrase, evil stroke. Well, yes, this would be a reference to the dolorous stroke, I would think. And that, of course, is the wound that the Grail King receives in legend. It has to do with the wounding of the king and the sickening of the land in particular, just as Ranley the Green Man is murdered here amongst all this long night and other creation symbolism. And there you go, folks. There's a lot more. It was really hard to choose what to keep in this video. I had to cut out a lot of stuff that I love. So go watch the longer stream. Hope you enjoyed this presentation. This is my most condensed sort of case for Azor High invading the Weirwood Net. So go and tell your friends. LML's not crazy. He knows what he's talking about. All right, guys. Thanks for supporting the program. I'll see you, of course, every Sunday, 3 p.m. Pacific with our fun Starry Wisdom Sunday live streams. And then during the week with the video, boom, 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 boom. Cheers, friends, and stay home. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.